time for the Tom Sumner Program. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show with music, comedy and special guest interviews every Monday through Friday. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Have an easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky team, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. Stay tuned, because it's on now. The Tom Sumner Program. COVID-19 is the biggest health crisis in our lifetime. We're working around the clock with doctors and hospitals to stop it, but we need your help. Even if you don't feel sick, you could be carrying it. And just one person with the virus can infect another 40, who then infect thousands more. So I've issued an executive order requiring everyone to stay home to help limit the spread of the virus. Let's protect the people we love. Stay home and stay safe. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. She loves you, yeah, yeah, yeah. She loves you, yeah, yeah, yeah. She loves you, yeah, 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 yeah. Hey, welcome back, everybody, as we roll into the second hour of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. I guess this hour, and in fact, you're probably wondering why I played that little uh, snippet from the Beatles. Um... It, and it ties into my guest this hour. Normally uh, on this show I play uh, local music or, or at least uh, artists from the, the regional area, but this seemed kind of an appropriate way to uh, open things up for my guest who is an iconic radio legend who literally introduced the Beatles and others to America. Um, and he joins me now by phone, Cousin Brucey Morrow. Cousin Brucey, welcome to the show, man. Well, thank you very much, uh, Tom Winter. Uh, Autumn, <laughs> hello. <laughs> what are you this season? I understand you change your names by the season. Yeah, I'm I'm Tom Fall. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking a fall. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, I, I want to ask Tom, you. Good morning. Um, I, I wanted to point out that you're you're back at WABC after many many years, decades, and yeah, for forty six years, Tom. In, uh, it's it's scary when we start talking about you know over 40 years ago or 50 years ago and anniversaries of things like the British rock invasion you went into radio uh, well you went you were at WABC what uh, in 1961 and and your arrival there really kind of coincided with the the takeover of rock and roll and the British rock invasion. You had the opportunity to uh, introduce America to the Beatles and, uh, and and several other groups. It'd be impossible for me to list all of your credentials and still have time to hear you talk. Um, <laughs> um, but but a little scary. Um, it's, it's, it's one of the things of... of uh, being around for a long time, but you spent uh, the last what fifteen years or so on uh, 
on on Sirius XM. And now you're back uh, starting this month. You're back at WABC with uh, Saturday Night Rock and Roll Party. Um, Correct. What? Yep. You know the what happened? Let me explain what happened here. First of all, you know, I've been I left WABC. I was in there for quite some time. And by the way, WABC became during that British invasion WA Beatles I mean, that's how the impression. Uh, was given to us by the, the the Brits, especially the Beatles. So I was on the Sirius XM for 15 years, and 15 pretty good years. One day I woke up, probably midstream, and I said, you know, there's something missing <laughs> from what I'm doing. I, I love radio. I love what I'm doing. Look, I do television and movies, and I act, and I deliver speeches, and I try to do everything. But I, my favorite, though, my favorite medium is radio. It's the most sensitive and informal, which we can get into later, if we have the time, why I think that. Uh, but I, I woke up and I said, there's something missing, Tom. And I realized that I missed the local feeling. And I, and I coined the phrase, I realized that I was doing corporate radio. And this didn't satisfy me after a while. Corporate radio has just left me cold. And I think it leaves a lot of uh, the listeners cold. You know, our listeners today, as you well know what you're doing, or have become extremely sophisticated. Your audience very sophisticated. They want content. They want to know what's going on. They want to know what's happening in the local, regional, national scene. Uh, so they're not satisfied with just getting a two-dimensional picture. And that's what I felt like I was doing. I was two-dimensional. So I started thinking about, well, maybe it's time to move. Subsequently, on the phone, I threw a lot of telephones. You know, my shows have changed quite a bit from just telling time and playing a record and doing weather, the old top 40 <laughs> stuff, that nonsense, right? Uh, and I do a lot of talk and uh, uh, a lot of telephone, and I get involved with people's lives and things that are happening in our area and, and the nation. And uh, what, there was a guy on the phone that called me almost uh, every couple weeks, and his name was John, and he called me with his wife from his car to request Elvis and uh, the Rolling Stones and the Beatles and Jerry Lee Lewis, and we sort of struck up a nice relationship. As you know, you have some of your listeners who call you, Tom, right? You get you sort of get to know them. You become family with them. Right. And that's what happened with this guy. And uh, after a while, uh, somebody tells me at the radio station that, are you aware who you're talking to? I said, yeah, his name is John. He's a good guy. No, he said, there's a man who just bought WABC radio. I said, what? Somebody <laughs> bought I, I, wait a minute, you're saying a man, a person bought this mega monster radio station? I mean, it's huge. And this radio station for your listeners, they have to understand, it's like uh, it's like broadcasting history. It's uh, the mega the mega station of, uh, of all radio stations. And uh, he bought it. He wrote out a check and bought it. Well, our conversations, Tom, as you can imagine, changed greatly. After I found out who he was, <laughs> went from Elvis and uh, the Rolling Stones to, hey, uh, what's happening? You know, what Yo, are you doing? What's going oh, on now at WABC? I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> uh, exactly. And then, uh, Tom, so about a year later, he and I started talking very seriously. My contract was coming to uh, an end. Uh, this, matter of fact, this past August. So I wanted to you know, take a look and search and see what was happening. I wanted to get back to, to radio. I wanted that local slash national feel, 
feel. Now, Tom, you know there's no such thing as a local radio station anymore, per se. I mean, every radio station, no matter what size, small, medium, or large, you're, you're reaching the world because of all the devices, uh, streaming and uh, digital and the Internet and websites. So the, the whole concept of local radio is over, but it's still local radio. It's still local radio, and that's what I wanted to get. So he and I make a long, a long story short. Uh, we uh, signed a deal the day that my contract ended at uh, Sirius XM, and I've been very happily ever after so far, very happy. Well, it, it, it's really fascinating because usually um, people that go to Sirius and, and other uh, uh, streaming uh, platforms, usually they go there and never come back. Exactly, yep. And that's, see, that, and that's the culture, and that's what I didn't like. Uh, the culture at Sirius and, and corporations like that is that this is it. There's no other place to go. This is the end of the world. But that is not true, right? There's other things involved with besides making you know a nice uh, living, making money, and uh, garnering a huge audience. There are other things involved. And as I said, I, I was missing that well feel of New York and uh, the feel of people enlisting in North Dakota and Los Angeles and uh, and up uh, New England, wanting to know what was going on with my life too. Everybody's interested today. Because of you know it, we are we are a world community, and New York City has a a fascination for people. A lot of people are afraid of it. A lot of people love it, but they still are interested. So I wanted to give them that again, and that's what I'm doing every Saturday night now. And uh, but now it's not just a local broadcast. You know you can listen to it on an AM radio, right? And uh, but now you you have streaming. You have uh, you have the internet. You have websites. You have uh, Alexa. You have. Uh, I better say that low. My every time I say Alexa, they all light up in my house. <laughs> yes, master. They say yes, master. What can I do for thee? That's how my Alexa answers me. They call. <laughs> nice. Uh, you have Google and uh, you have Siri. I mean, I tell people facetiously a little bit. I, I guarantee you, within six months, you're going to open up your icebox and in, the, in your refrigerator. And in the ice section, you're going to hear my voice. It's all <laughs> over the place. So, but, you know, we have the devices keep going. And uh, it's, it's wonderful. So we've become a world community locally. And that's nice. It's interesting that you, that you bring that up. I was talking with a uh, program director uh, here in Flint from, the, from the, one of the stations here. And he said, you know, we used to be a radio station with a uh, website. Now we're a website with a radio station. <laughs> well, you're absolutely correct. You know, the we we, we years ago we used to uh, program our own shows and decide where we're going to go with program directors. And uh, uh, now the 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 people on the internet and social media are directing and producing what we are doing. I'll give you a case in point. It's kind of funny. Um, when I went uh, when I signed the deal, I, I had a lot of press. It was a very I was very fortunate to have a lot of press. And I said, I'm going to play music from the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. Well, all hell broke loose. On the, on the <laughs> I can no, hear it not, coming already. No, Bruce. you're not. No, no. It said, you're not. This is what you're going to do. You're going to do 50s, 60s, and 70s. Everybody's playing in the 80s. Forget it. Well, there was so much of a brouhaha that I had to listen. You know, you're not dealing with three or four 
letters to you to the editor. Right, you're dealing with hundreds and hundreds, maybe thousands. So they decided what I was going to play, and of course, I love that because that's my that's my comfort zone. 50s, 60s, and 70s. Then they also said, "We want jingles. We want you to play jingles." And I'm talking a huge amount. You know, it's amazing. I, I really feel that the jingles uh, are as important today as almost as important as the music. And for those of you who know what jingles are, um, every every couple minutes, introducing in and out of commercials or in and out of uh, segments, you'd have a very well produced. You know, this is a singing type jingle with the radio stations. Uh, call letters on it so they wanted the jingles so we had to get the package back and then the other thing that got me from the internet from the social media was they wanted my reverb back you know you remember what reverb oh yeah yeah you know they wanted that uh doing the unfortunate uh, nightmare that we're all living through now i did my shows from home for my last four months on serious and because of the uh technological thing I couldn't have my reverb, I, I, so I got rid of it, and I got used to it. I liked it very much, and I said, you know, this is 2020, new, a new decade, a new world is coming. Maybe we'll get rid of the, uh, the echo, the uh, reverb. Well, you want to know what happened? No way. No way, because the third thing that the uh, social media told me, they wanted that reverb. In other words, what they were trying to do, trying to tell me, is that they wanted to relive those great days, the days that they feel were easier, they wanted that escape. They, they wanted the escape. They want the and old Brucey. Yeah, they wanted to go back. That's that's interesting. And um, I, 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 I just wanted to say that I, I feel the same way as you do about, about radio and, and how it's changed. And I think the way to describe it, I have bumpers and things, and I have a format that I follow, a clock that I follow. But... What you're talking about is how radio, in particular, has become more form than substance. Yes, absolutely, right. And by what what the audience demands now, you know, with all the devices that are uh, available to people, you'd think that things would be a little different. But what they really, the bottom line, is because of this audience sophistication, they demand content, and it doesn't matter what they're listening on what they will be listening on, because, you know, as you know, uh, we're just tipping the iceberg here. Um, they want content. They want to hear what they want to hear. And that, that and that's what we have to give them. So we have to be very aware, more than ever, of this audience. They're our bosses. They're the producers. Brucey, I have to take a break here, but I want to pick it up there. Um, if you don't mind sticking around and we can talk some more. Sure, it is fun. I love talking with uh, radio people about radio. <laughs> As I, I love radio. I think it's the best medium, especially uh, for um, the talk show that, that I do, the long-format interviews. I think people listen longer than they would watch a TV interview. But for the people who are listening right now, if you're listening to us on 92.1 FM, Our Voices Radio, uh, we're going to let them squeeze in a few words or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. We'll be back with more with Cousin Brucey right after this. Everybody's doing a brand new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. 
I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Hi, I'm Dr. Jonay Caldoun. We know that COVID-19 is spreading rapidly across Michigan right now. The most important thing people can do to protect themselves is social distancing. That means unless you are a critical infrastructure worker or going out to get food or medicine for your home, you should be staying at home. Stay home, stay safe, save lives. Most of the music you hear on the Tom Sumner program is provided by local artists. Tune in Fridays at 11 for live music and conversation with some of the area's most talented singers, songwriters, and performers. Hi, this is Greg Nagy. Hey, this is Hoppa. Hi, this is Joe Bye from the Blue Lions. Hi, this is Alexander Zondrick. Hi, this is Mark Farner. This is Maurice Davis. Hi, this is Rochelle Ray. Hi there, folks. This is Sweet Willie T. This is Steve from the Nashville office. I'm Gwen Pennyman Hemphill. Tom Sumner Program, celebrating the rich talent pool from Flint, Genesee County, and throughout Michigan. The Spangled Dwarf in his bow tie. The infantry that don't ask why. I'm Bob Dylan. Remember those fabulous 60s? The marches, the beans, the draft card burnings, and best of all, the music. Well, now Apple House has collected the finest of those songs on one album called Golden Protest, performed by the original artist who made them famous. You're thrilled to Society's Child by Janicean. Pleasant Ballet Sunday by the Monkees. What have they done to the rain by the Searchers? In the Ghetto by Elvis Presley. Silent Night, 7 o'clock news by Simon and Garfunkel. And who can ever forget this all-time classic? Yes, it's Barry Maguire's immortal Eve of Destruction. And, of course, my own Masters of War. All for the incredibly low price of $3.95. And if you order now, you'll also receive a treasury of acid rock featuring vanilla fudge, blue chair, frigid pink, Moby Grape, the Electric Prunes, Jeff Snareplane, Lotharian Hand People, to name but a few. Plus, as part of this special limited offer, you also get the best of the supergroups with Traffic, Cream, Blind Faith, Ginger Baker's Air Force, and many, many others. Yes, this is a collector's dream, cold in protest, plus two fabulous 60s albums, all for only $3.95. If you were to purchase these selections separately, they'd cost you hundreds of dollars, and many cannot be found anywhere at any price. Well... It's time for my boot heels to be wandering. But here's something will tell you how you can get this amazing record package. Here's how to order this amazing record package. Just send $3.95 and check your money order plus your name and address to Apple House Box 70K South Bend, Indiana. Once again, that's $3.95 and check your money to Apple House Box 70 Do it today. Tom Sumner, program.com. The Tom Sumner, program.com.
This is Jill Stein, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I'm talking with Cousin Brucie, who is back at WABC every Saturday night with Cousin Brucie's Saturday Night Rock and Roll Party from 6 to 9 p.m. Eastern at WABCRadio.com for most of us around the country, but on uh, 77 WABC in New York. Uh, Brucie, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around, man. My pleasure, Cousin Tom. I enjoyed that, that last... Uh our spot, that last promotion on the air, for three ninety five, I think. I'd like to order a couple of those. <laughs> that, that, how do they how can he do that? That's amazing. <laughs> you know, it's I, funny, see, I'm a listener. I'm listening to this stuff and I'm saying I'm doing exactly what, what we hope people are doing. And that's that's amazing. Anyway, listen, I, I really love talking radio. It really is fun and I know the audience loves it too. We've become such a an integral part of the DNA of people, and uh, how did Brucey? How did so, you get into so radio? Important. How did you get into radio to begin with? It started at college. You actually started a station, um, the first NYU station. Yep. Now, now repeat that question again. I just lost you for a second. It, I, I just, I just wondered what. What sparked your interest in radio? Was it a love for for music and 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 then radio? Or um, oh, you know, I'll tell you, I got a great story <clears throat> that you love, and it really takes me back. I think I was about ten years old or so when I fell in love with radio. I I, I came home from my school PS two hundred six to come home to get some milk and cookies. The school was over; it was three o'clock, and I see my parent, my mother, on the uh, the porch. We had these. Uh, you know, you had to go walk up steps, and you have a porch that leads into the house. She was across the street at our neighbor's, Mrs. Bloom. And I seen that Mrs. Bloom and Mrs. McGillicuddy and uh, Mrs. Ionoa and my mother on this porch, and they were all crying. My mother was crying. So I got very upset. I didn't know what was happening. And I, I noticed they're listening to this little little box called a Feta. It was Bakelite or something. And it had a little round dial on it. And they were listening to something, and they started bawling again. And I got closer, and I heard from this magic box the following. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of the United States, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, has passed into eternity and died this afternoon. Well, and they cried and cried. I, at that time, as young as I was, I realized that if this little box can evoke the emotion of these strong Brooklyn, New York women, like it did... I had have I got to find out what's in that box. So after that, I found I went into my uh, living room where my parents had this big, big Crosley. That was the entertainment center. That was our four <laughs> K and eight K television center at that time. This big radio thing, a cathedral, big radio, and I used to. It was a piece of furniture. The, yeah, yeah, it was. It was huge, right, with a light on it, and what came out of it was amazing. But I used to sit behind it with a fork. And I'd pretend I was on the radio. The fork was my microphone. And I'd do little broadcasts. And that's where I really started. And then by the time I got to uh, high school, by the way, I was a very shy kid, Tom. Very shy kid. <laughs> and uh, a, a teacher, one of my English teachers, convinced me to take part in a show. Now, I, I didn't even want to stand up in class. I was so shy. She, she convinced me to take part in a hygiene show. We couldn't have sex education in those days because S-E-X was a dirty word, and it wasn't allowed. So we had hygiene plays, right. and it was wonderful. 
hygiene <laughs> plays. Remember, these are teach us how to bathe, wash under our arms, clean ourselves, and shampoo. We were really being prepared for life. That's why this <laughs> generation is so screwed up. <laughs> That's why we were being prepared for life. So I, I get a part as a cavity in a hygiene play. And I'm scared stiff. <laughs> I was a cavity. In fact, many people still think I am a cavity. Right? I'm society. So I get on the stage, and this is when the, this is when the big transformation happened. I'm singing my song, something about uh, I, use, I never brush my teeth. Hi, Mommy. Mommy gives me chocolate. I never brush my teeth. Nothing silly. And I'm looking out from this tooth, from the inside of this picture, this big tooth covering my whole body with a black spot on top. And I'm noticing the audience. This was my turning point in life. Uh, I noticed the audience is laughing, applauding, and enjoying what I'm doing. And I felt the warmth, the transfer of warmth from the audience to myself, and it went back. That was the day I realized what I was going to do with my life. I was going to go on the stage. I was going to go into, uh, into the creative arts. And then one day, uh, this teacher, the same teacher, suggested I try out. By this time, I was losing some of my shyness, try out for what we call the All-City Radio Workshop. In New York City, the Board of Education sponsors a uh, program with a real radio station, an FM station, and you stay with them instead of taking English you go to this radio station, and I spent three and a half years there. And that was it. That locked it. And then uh, the rest, I just kept on going. And at New York University, I founded the radio station there, and I graduated at NYU, and I sent out, if you remember, do you remember years ago, we used to send out demo tapes? Yeah. We used to send out these five-inch reels, and which you sort of uh, gave a program director, depending who you sent it to, the, feel, the feeling of what you can do. So in 20 or 30 seconds, you had to capture this person. He did commercial, he did a news report, he introduced a record, did some public service, hoping that the program director would like it. Well, I sent out eight of these tapes, Tom, and uh, of the eight, four of them came back and suggested I go into my father's business. Forget <laughs> it. <laughs> you know what that feeling is. But then the other four responded. One of them, one of the response was from Panama City, Florida. I was. I decided I wanted to be warm. I was tired of the northeast cold. Uh, I wanted the warmth of, of the sun. So Panama City calls, and uh, I was scared stiff, so I had my father on the phone, because I never got a job. I didn't know what it was all about. So my father uh, did all the talking, and I listened. And he said, well, what is, uh, what, tell us about the job. He says, well, we'll pay him uh, $75 a week, and he'll... Uh, He'll work in both of our, both of our businesses. He'll do uh, four hours and four hours. So this was very mysterious. So my father, was a very smart street kid from uh, East New York, said, oh, what, are, what are the businesses? What do you mean four and four? He says, well, he'll spend four hours on the radio. This is, uh, this is true. Four hours on the radio. He'll be on the air, and then he'll go out and sell some time for us. And then the next four hours, he'll spend on our other business. Now, once again... Very mysterious. He didn't mention what the business was. So my father said immediately, well, what is the other business? He says, oh, we own a car wash. <laughs> I was going to dry cars. I was going to bring towels and dry cars. So it's four and four. Well, immediately we turned that down. And about a week or so later, I get another positive response from Bermuda. Now, think about that. A young kid, <laughs> romance of Bermuda. So I accepted that job, and uh, that's where I really 
learn my radio. You know, you can go to school and study, read books and play a little bit at radio, but until you really get on the air. And in Bermuda, I, I brought rock and roll uh, music to that, that once quiet island. They used to call me the hammer when I was <laughs> on the air. And because I sounded, I had the cacophony, the rhythm, the beat of the music I was playing. And I did church services and football games, like soccer, right? And we, I did everything. I really learned my, my trade in Bermuda. And I spent there about a year and a half, which was a kind of a, a wild story, which so maybe we'll save that for next time to leave Bermuda. Notice I said I had to leave Bermuda. And then I came back and started getting jobs, started getting jobs all over the country and did like you did and everybody else and until you find the bed soft enough to make you comfortable. And here we are today, you and I, Tom, talking about what we love, radio. That's right. And and you said something in the uh, in the last segment about um, you know feeling like uh, something had been lost and you wanted to bring that back and and that really struck a chord with me, Brucey, because that's exactly how I feel about talk radio. It's all become rant radio, and and people don't interview people anymore. Um, you know, guests are routinely ambushed in the idea of having a civilized conversation and letting people learn right. things. And and like you do now, adding music history to the music itself is um, is something you can do in, in radio yes. that you really can't do anywhere else. No, you, you could, especially if you have the time. You know, Tom, I'll tell you how I start my show. Every uh, every Saturday night, this is what I say to people. Cousins, here's what we're going to do tonight. And you can listen to me if there is absolutely no politics on this show. We're not going to have politics. I don't want to hear about COVID, right? If you have a problem <laughs> that I can help you with, very happy. I'd be very happy to get involved with your family. But no politics whatsoever because it's gotten so nasty. And so, you know, and I want people to have this time to get away from it. I feel like I'm an oasis because WABC in New York City is a talk station, right? So here I am, like an oasis in the middle of all this talk. And some of it's <laughs> kind of tough. I'm not going to kid you. You know what goes on. Yeah, you just exactly. Uh, it's, it's not uh, how to make a, uh, a souffle anymore. I mean, wow, it's how to souffle somebody else. That's what it <laughs> That's is. That's right. So, <laughs> and uh, so I, I insist no politics whatsoever. I want to give people this chance just to... Take a deep breath, right, and relax a little bit and become a little bit human again. And that's what I do. And I said, if you can't handle that, you got to mention, I said, I want you to go buy ice cream. You cannot listen to me. I, I ban them from the station. <laughs> people, you know, I think people need, if any time during our, our history, and I know you, I don't know how old you are, but I'm sure you never went through anything like we're going through today politically and, of course, with this nightmare pandemic. Uh, we've never had anything like this. So people need a couple moments to get rid of that anxiety, to take a deep breath, right, and just sit down a little bit and say, hey, you know, there is a world out there. and We're going to find it again someday. And we will. We'll, we'll recapture it. You know, I, I like that you, you you have created this oasis and that it's all about the music um, I, because I, I love music and I've done music radio um, in, in the past. 
Um, in fact, I was a musician for many years. It was the first job I what'd had. What you play? What What's your instrument? Drums. Oh, okay. So I wasn't really a musician. My, I was a drummer. I'm glad you're not my neighbor. You know what I said? I'm glad you're not my neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I traveled around the country playing music, and, and so I have a great love for music. But I took a different mission from what was happening in radio, and, and that, that vitriol that goes on on radio and social media and, you know, basically in our, um, our general public discourse... I, I made it a mission to, to go ahead and confront those things head-on and try to make them civilized. Oh, that's, that's so good to hear. You know, and this is, not, this is not a party thing. I don't care if somebody's a Republican, a Democrat, an Independent, or whatever, or somebody likes Hershey's with almonds or without. It doesn't matter. Right? <laughs> Paper or plastic. We've got to remind them. We've got to remind them that you still you have basics, right? And you still go to the store... And you take a shower and a bath. Uh, you know, we're all the same. We all have the same kind of ingredients. And we just have to remember it. We're going through a, I think this is just a, a period, a period in our history. And I think, I think we're going to get back. We're going to get back to the humanistic uh, part of our lives again someday. I, I hope so, because I'm finding with, uh, with my listeners and, and with people who participate in my program, as you're finding with yours, um, people are anxious to get away from all this mean-spirited yep. um, behavior. And it is. Even if they are participating, being a little mean-spirited, deep down, they want to get a little rest, too. I mean, everyone needs a vacation, Tom, right? And, th and this is what you offer, and this is what I offer. You know, my shows have changed, have uh, metamorphosized, if there's such a word, a changed over the decades, and I noticed that's kind of interesting, whereby years ago when I was on WABC originally, all those years ago, yeah, we, we would play in music, time, weather, station breaks, commercials, and that, that was about it. There was no content, because people really at that time wanted to hear certain things. Now, my show has become a variety show. I do a lot of talking. I do talking. Sure. It, it, it irritates some people because they want to hear music, so I would suggest buy a jukebox. You know, leave me alone. Radio is a, a, a device for communicating. It's the most human, it, the most sensitive of all. Intimate. Intimate. There's a word. An intimate connection with this audience. You know, I know. I am in the shower with people. I am taking a bath with people. I am shopping. I'm in cars. Uh, we, are, we share the most intimate moments with his audience, and that's how we should react to the audience, knowing this. I feel it. I'm on the air, Tom. Do you, Tom, do you feel the audience like I do? I feel it. I, I, I do, and, and I feel like when I'm talking, and when we're talking, we're talking to them. Yes, perfect. Talking, you said the magic word, to, not at. And what you get today a lot on radio and mass media and whether it be uh, on the internet or something, people are talking at there. They're deciding they're on this big proscenium, and they're talking at this huge audience. You and I focus on that one person. When I'm on the air, people think I am talking to them directly, and that's the secret, and that's why we're successful. You know, I'm, a, I'm, I'm such a fan of radio, Brucey, that I, I'm a fan of what they call the golden age of radio, and, you know... Um, 
W.C. Fields and Charlie McCarthy and Jack Benny and, uh, you know, all those classic radio programs when uh, families would sit around the, the, the big piece of furniture in the living room that had a dial on it and, and listen to the Lone Ranger and the Green Hornet and all of, you know, uh, Inner Sanctum sure. oh, and all great. that. Uh, yeah, all that great uh, radio programming and then television came along and killed it. But you went into radio at a time where it was almost, I'd call it a second golden age of radio when rock and roll was happening and radio was the conduit to rock and roll. Exactly. And also, here's how the people got a lot of their entertainment. And rock and roll, which reached a... uh, a common denominator, even the people who didn't like it or complain would suddenly be listening to it, and it became the adult medium, which is kind of funny. You know, the kids brought it in, then the adults claimed it because they liked it. The Beatles came in. Things changed a lot. Radio changed. Uh, record distribution changed. Technology changed. So we really went into that. I love when you said the second golden age. Yeah, I was very lucky that I was involved with that. Yeah, that was perfect timing because, um, you know, FM came in soon after that. And, um, you know, for a while, FM was uh, the place to go for uninterrupted music. You know, just album yeah, rock. Yeah, but it was uninterrupted. Tom, explain why it was uninterrupted. Because they couldn't get commercials yet. They didn't have enough what they call sets in use. Right? And that's FM because came, FM wasn't was in cars. Yeah. yeah, it was wonderful. You know, hey, there's no commercials. Hey, it's uninterrupted music. We can play 10, 12-minute uh, 12 cuts. Sure, because they didn't have the audience. So the cars and uh, the stores and the restaurants and, and uh, uh, people who were buying time didn't buy them because there was nobody listening. They were a small audience. But then it grew. As soon as, grew, as, everything changed. as soon as they put FM radios in cars. Yep. That was a very important time. Yeah. Very important. And uh, I like the idea that radios are AM and FM and sort of satellite. A lot of them are satellite, but AM and FM, so they have a choice. Because somebody probably realized during that time that someday people are going to be more interested in what we say and what we give them, right, than uh, stereo with uh, quadraphonic speakers on it, right? And it'll make you toast. Now, people... <laughs> People want to hear, you know, content. They want to know what is going on, and they want to feel family. You know, when I'm when I'm on the air, I am visiting. I am never broadcasting. I visit. I I call it a visit. I am so pleased that somebody allows me into their home and shares them shares them, their family with me. So I am taking a visit. Well, they're I'm your not cousins. The broadcast. <laughs> yeah. They're your cousins. Yep, they're my cousins. <laughs> Um, do you think there's a, a third golden age of radio coming with uh, with all the new technology? That there's such a hunger for content that maybe we're gonna we're gonna see uh, an explosion of great content coming. Yep, I think absolutely. I think it's exactly what you and I have been talking about for this past half hour or thereabouts. That what's happening now the. Uh, Mechanical or the technological thing was very nice, and it's—I mean—it's developed beautifully. The audio is great. You have pictures with it now. I mean, there's no limit. There's no limit. So now we got to get back to the basics. 
people, the audience wants to hear content. They want they want to hear whether it be talk, whether it be talk and music, whether it be information. They want what they want to hear. It's not a novelty anymore. Now it's become DNA. It's become part of your audience's DNA, and they're going to search it out. So I absolutely believe. I like the way you put the third golden era of radio. Yeah, I think I think broadcasting and uh, uh, podcasting, etc., whatever they're calling it today, has a great future. And I think we are we in the business are learning what to do with it, along with the audience, as the audience paves the way, they show us the light, the glimmers of light, I think we have to be astute enough to realize what we have to do. And once we capture these glimmers, we'll know what's going on, and there'll be a third golden era. And, and I, I think we have to uh, kind of look back at the, uh, at the beginning, the, er, the very early days of radio, because they had basically the same challenge. All of a sudden, you know, Marconi invents this radio, and people are talking to each other, and then it's like, okay, what do we say? <laughs> you know, and and then all these amazing programs evolved. Milton Berle and Bob Hope, and all these these great characters. The Jack, remember the Jack Betty Show? I mean, there were so many of these great things that we used to listen to, like Sundays. And I remember Mario Lanza had a show. It started as radio grew. It started. Uh, honoring and attracting great talent and that's what's happening today the same thing we're in a technological advanced stage and that's sort of calming down a little bit and now it's time for the poets the poets have to come marching in again yeah it's it's like wow we've got all this technology now what do we do with it exactly exactly so that's what we got to figure out we're, we're in well, the I same place again I, wanted. I know what i wanted i wanted to go back to my terrestrial radio I wanted to go back to WABC because I knew the audience was hungry, right? And I knew what kind of radio they wanted from me. And that's what I'm giving them. And I'm, you know, and I'm learning. Every single week, Tom, I learn something new. I learn, I change something. I redirect it. I correct it. I, I delete something. I won't do it again. And I'll add something to it. And I learned this from the audience. I use social. So I use some of the technology. I use social media. I use my phone calls. I do a lot of, lot of talking on telephones. I like to talk to my cousins. Do you they tell me what they want? Um, because a large portion of uh, of your audience is listening uh, on a stream, and you have the availability or the the ability to do uh, visuals. Do you do a lot of visual stuff? Uh, is, is that something you're comfortable adding in now you saw are you talking about physically visual visual stuff because if that's so the answer is yes what i do is first of all we're going to be having cameras mounted you know people demand certain things they want to see what's going on too besides uh look it's radio it'll always be an audio an audio uh medium but they also would like to see what's going on before every show um i go on my facebook i go facebook live and nice. I'll do you know, a two-minute, a one-minute, two-minute two uh, live stream of, uh, video. Hey, Brucey, I hate to in, Brucey, I hate to interrupt yeah. you, but i got to put a comma there. I have to go to break. Can you stick around and we'll talk a little bit more? Yeah, we talk a, a little bit more. i got to take my cat to the veterinarian. 
Alright, we'll be right Hello back. Hello there, citizens. Darkwing Duck here. And every time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call The X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Do you have feelings of inadequacy? Do you suffer from shyness? Do you sometimes wish you were more assertive? If you answered yes to any of these questions, ask your doctor or pharmacist about tequila. Tequila is the safe, natural way to feel better and more confident about yourself and your actions. Tequila can help ease you out of your shyness and let you tell the world that you're ready and willing to do just about anything. You'll notice the benefits of tequila almost immediately. And with a regimen of regular doses, you can overcome any obstacles that prevent you from living the life you want to live. Shyness and awkwardness will be a thing of the past, and you'll discover many talents you never knew you had. Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila may not be right for everyone. Women who are pregnant or nursing should not use tequila. However, women who wouldn't mind nursing or becoming pregnant are encouraged to try it. Side effects may include dizziness, nausea, vomiting, incarceration, erotic lustfulness, loss of motor control, loss of clothing, loss of money, loss of virginity, delusions of grandeur, table dancing, headache, dehydration, dry mouth, and a desire to sing karaoke and play all night rounds of strip poker, truth or dare, and naked twister. Warning, the consumption of alcohol may make you think you're whispering when you're not. Is a major factor in dancing like a retard. May cause you to tell your friends over and over again that you're in love with them. Also may cause you to think you can sing. Alcohol may lead you to believe that ex-lovers are really dying for you to telephone them at four in the morning. Alcohol may make you think you can logically converse with members of the opposite sex without spitting. It may create the illusion that you are tougher, smarter, faster, and better looking than most people. And it may lead you to think people are laughing with you. Alcohol may cause pregnancy, and it also may be a major factor in getting your ass kicked. So what are you waiting for? Stop hiding and start living with tequila. Tequila! Those hands, no matter whose they are, can spread the germs of many common diseases. That's why I want you to realize how important it is to keep hands clean, to wash them regularly and always before meals with Life Boy which not only removes dirt, but helps to remove germs. Teach the children this habit. Form it yourself. Always use Life Boy for hands and face as well as the bath. America, your children have an amazing superpower. That's right. They can help save lives by simply washing their hands. Just 20 seconds of thorough hand washing after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside can help fight against the dastardly spread of germs. Armed with only soap and water and hands, your superhero can protect you, your family, and everyone out there in America land. Amazing! Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. The interest of goodwill. The Hoffman Beverage Company feels compelled to make this announcement. It's simply this. All Hoffman flavors have that happy taste, except sarsaparilla. We might as well come right out with it. We haven't quite hit that happy, carefree note in sarsaparilla. Now, please don't misunderstand us. Our Hoffman sarsaparilla is absolutely dependable. It's trustworthy. It's loyal. And many fine, upstanding citizens love it. But it just isn't what we call happy. You take our Hoffman orange. It's absolutely rollicking. Our lemon is almost giggly. 
Our black cherry and black raspberry are so bubbling with happiness, they dance in the glass. They all have natural flavor and famous Hoffman study sparkle. We're sorry about Hoffman sarsaparilla. Why isn't it happy? Well, let me ask you, could you be happy if your name this was This is Sarsaparilla? U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Hey, welcome back, everybody, and we're listening to uh, Cousin Brucey from WABC, who joins me this hour. Uh, Brucey, welcome back. Thanks, man. Thank you. Just let me finish my sarsaparilla. Okay, there you go. <laughs> that, you, have, you have the most unusual lineup of, of spots I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> That's hysterical. Well, some, some of them are uh, placeholders. <laughs> I, know. I know. It's wonderful. Um, but uh, I, now I know you got to get your cat to the vet, but um, w- one of the questions that hey, I've By been... the way, just so nobody worries, it's just it's going to have this. Have his nails done. Have his nails done. His name is Cookie. Mr. <laughs> Cookie. <laughs> He's um, fine. I, you know, I mentioned at the beginning of our uh, conversation this hour um, that you were at WABC um, a long time ago, and you're back there now, and we'll talk about that in, a, in just a minute and remind people where they can listen to the show on Saturday nights. But... Um, you had a chance to introduce America to the Beatles and a number of uh, Motown, 60s soul, surf music, all of that great rock and roll that was coming out in the 60s. And um, did I read this correctly? I was reading some things about you and some of the things you've done in your career that you teamed up with Ed Sullivan to bring the Beatles to Shea Stadium. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a strange combination. Yes. Well, what happened with Shea Stadium, which was really probably one of the pinnacle concerts of their American tour career, uh, uh, Ed Sullivan and I were selected to introduce the Beatles. But let me take you into the dugout. <laughs> First of all, you got to understand something. There were 60, almost 70,000 screaming, wild, mostly female teens in those stands at Shea Stadium. Huge. The cacophony, the pressure, the electricity coming from those stands were unbelievable. And you got it in your body. You felt electricity, and you felt the pressure. So in the uh, dugout, John Lennon, the, the boys came into the dugout before they went onto the stage, which was around a shortstop thereabouts. Uh, John Lennon comes over to me, and he says, Cousin, and that's what he used to call me, Cousin, is this going to be okay? Is, are we going to be safe? Because it was that scary. And I, I looked at him, and Paul said the same thing. And I said, fellas, they're just here to share space with you. This is love. What you're feeling, this excitement is love. Of course, I was scared stiff, very honestly. I did not know what was going to happen, because I have never in my life, to this day, felt the pressure of an audience, the electricity of an audience. It could have broken loose like a zombie. You know, it could have been terrible. So we go, and we get ready, and this Ed Sullivan and I, he goes on the uh, stairs ahead of me. They built a, a stairs. We were at home base. Picture us at home base now, getting ready to introduce the Beatles. The audience is wild. There were some acts before, you know, warming up the crowd, which nobody really paid attention to, by the way. And uh, we could start going up the steps. Now, Ed Sullivan, if you remember, was kind of a, a stiff square guy, very successful journalist that uh, went television, but very, you know, very square. 
And uh, I didn't even think he knew who the Beatles were very honestly, <laughs> deep down. And he gets up the stairs, and this place is going wild. I mean, wild. And he says to me, he turns around, he says, Brucey, Brucey, are we going to be all right? Is this going to be safe? And I, I look at him, and I'm saying, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a job on this guy. I, I, he deserves it, right? He's so complacent. So I said, no, Ed, it's not going to be safe. And he walks up one more step. This is exactly what happened. He turns around and says, well, what do we do? And I look at him in the eye, and I said, Ed, pray. Pray. And he looks at me and says, pray? Oh, my God. And he walks up. <laughs> and we introduced the Beatles. Now, the postscript is, I, uh, I, I joined the NYPD, New York Police Department, and the security people, uh, walking around, making sure the kids were fine. Uh, they were you know, getting, uh, prying their hands off the wire. That kept them from running on the fields in certain places, and nobody got hurt that night. That day was wonderful. The other post group PPS is that nobody heard the Beatles sing. You couldn't hear them. No way. Oh, I've seen video of that, and I wondered if there was any place in the stadium you could hear them. Right, exactly, exactly. You could not hear the Beatles. Couldn't hear themselves sing. They had to stop for a little bit. Had a regard, regard themselves, re, you know, reconnoitered. They didn't know what to do, and uh, it was wild. <laughs> but it was an amazing uh, day, and to this day, Tom, I can feel that pressure. If I if I conjure it up, I can feel that electricity in my chest. It, I had never felt anything like that. Well, Brucey, um, we got to wrap things up, but uh, I, I want to make sure that, uh, as I do with all my guests, that we let listeners know where they can uh, hear your show and also where they can find out more about you. Now, the show is uh, Cousin Brucey's Saturday Night Rock and Roll Party featuring music from the 50s, 60s, 70s, and, regrettably, the 80s. Um, <laughs> no, I don't play it. I don't play No, I'm not allowed. The audience will not have that. No, <laughs> you're gonna get me in trouble. <laughs> but it's uh, but but it's uh, Saturday nights from six to nine p.m. Eastern time, and uh, most of us uh, here in Michigan and other parts of the country can hear Brucey at uh, wabcradio.com. In New York, you what? can hear it on the radio station itself, seventy-seven WABC, and um, and and. Brucey, do you love, have... Let's not, can I just, let me just add one thing, which yeah. is amazing. You can ask Alexa to play it, to say WABC Radio. You can ask Google Assistant to play it on iHeartRadio. You can hear it on Siri, and you can find it in your toaster oven. Well, I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna try and make some toast this Saturday night and and check out uh, cousin Brucey. Um, Brucey, thanks so much for spending this time with me. It's a, an honor and a privilege to talk with you. Well, Tom, it was a pleasure. You made me feel very lovely and happy, and uh, it was a good visit. Once again, you and I visited. I loved it. Well, that's what we do here. We have conversations and. Uh, um, and I love music, and, and I love what you're doing. So keep up the good work, uh, cousin. You too, cousin. Always love. We'll see you at the next Cousins Club meeting. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. That was Cousin Brucey. We'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner program. 
My daughter needs a new phonograph. She wore out all the needles. Besides, I broke the old one in half. I hate the Beatles. <laughs> She says they have a Liverpool beat. She says they used to play there. Four nice kids from off of the street. Why didn't they stay there? What is all the screaming about? Fainting and swooning. Sounds to me like their guitars could use a little tuning. The boys are from the British Empire. The British think they're keen. If that is what the British desire, God save the Queen. No daughter of mine can push me around. In my house, I'm the master. But when the Beatles came into town, Gad, what a disaster. Little girls in sneakers and jeans destroyed the territory. Twas like some of the gorier scenes from West Side Story. Of course, my daughter had to go there. The tickets are cheap, she hollers. I was able to pick up a pair for $47. When the Beatles come on the stage, they scream and shriek and cheer them. Now I know why they're such a rage. It's impossible to hear them. Ringo is the one with the drum. The others all play with him. It shows you what a boy can become without a sense of rhythm. There's Beatle books and t-shirts and rings and one thing and another. To buy my daughter all of these things, I had to sell her brother. Back in 1776, we fought the British then, folks. Parents of America, it's time to do it again, folks. When they come back, here's how we'll begin. We'll throw them in Boston Harbor. But please, before we toss them all in, let's take them to a barber. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
You're listening to Tom Summers.